Hello, and welcome to the Vanquisher's Guide. I'm your host, Bryce. And I'm Bradley. I'm not here, but I'm Randy. Dang well, it, I really wish Randy was here today. It's Yeah, really it's not the same bad. without him. I think we should pers- persevere anyway. He would want us to. I think uh, so. You're I think right. So. <laughs> but uh, good to know that we're all here. And well, well and... the important people are here. Yeah, I, I thought, you know what? What is better this week than to go back to something that we haven't done in like so long, almost like an entire year? And I mean, I can't think of any examples of anything that could be better. Maybe like the past like five episodes, we've been going back <laughs> to do like the older stuff, going back to older subjects. I feel like that's but... been like a, a theme the past couple of weeks. Can yeah. we be nostalgic for something that hasn't even been gone for that long yes don't <laughs> even, it totally can happen i feel yeah, like that's self-defeating uh, we can totally do that but uh i've also been listening to a lot of like reading of scps on youtube what does that have to do with today's episode well <laughs> if you remember our first episode in which we kind of dug into the scp like foundation <laughs> and like the lore of all that else Mm-hmm. which honestly i'd be pretty surprised if you did remember that because i was all the way back in i believe episode nine well which my is mind crazy. is a steel trap so i've i've got it right up there i remember well good thing that you remember that but to anybody else that is a little bit un unfamiliar with the scp foundation just as a bit of a refresher and give us a bit more context the scp foundation is basically a it's like a fictional database that you can find online that has all these entries of anomalous just things, whether it's a jelly monster that tastes like peanut butter and makes you really happy in its presence, or maybe it's a plague doctor that is trying to cure a unseen disease and will just cut into people because it thinks that's what will help. I mean, but it doesn't at all. Hey, wasn't that two of the ones that we talked about in that one episode? It was. Okay. It was. <laughs> I was like, man, clearly some... your mind is not a steel trap. There's uh, something familiar about those two. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's many other ones in which they deal with like cosmic like beings, or there's like a basically a Keurig machine that can produce any liquid. That one's pretty fun. I really like that one. Um, or there's just like a a like Nokia phone that will summon a fleet of rats on Roombas to help you find any lost items. That so you know it's pretty diverse. To my favorite one in the entire world. I I know that's not what we're talking about today, but I kind of want that to be what we talk about today. <laughs> oh man, I kind of do, but <laughs> I I thought uh, I'd go with one of the SCPs that actually like really kind of disturbed me a lot more than the others. Just this one was kind of really got to me. It was like, dang, man. He looks really creepy. So yeah, it, it's a it's a pretty good one. But to start off, we go to an area of the world that we all know and love, which is the Bermuda Triangle. And mm. this place we know because of all the odd and unexplained disappearances and events. And then I want to take us and shift us to a totally different region of the sea that is much like the Bermuda Triangle, and that would be the Bass Strait. Wait, hold on, slow down. I'm getting uh, uh, 
what is I, almost said summoning, I was gonna say summoning sickness that's not what, <laughs> what, what happens what happens when you fly jet lag i'm getting jet lagged we're traveling so much yeah, yeah we're really bouncing around but our scp takes us to the bass strait and this scp is scp 5007 and the bass strait is interesting because there's a, also a large number of baffling and odd events such as ufo sightings and people just disappearing without a trace and so if you're curious there's a lot of bass in the bass strait do you know I don't know. I imagine that there's a ton of fish as it's between the island of Tasmania and mainland Australia. It's kind of the area that it is. Yeah, like sea bass, you know, some big old fish, whatnot. But for years, there have been many unexplained disappearances of individuals that would just simply vanish from surrounding coasts or small boats, and they just literally be gone. Nobody would know where they went. There's no trace of them. Like they were pretty happy in their environment. So it's just like this huge mystery. And although many of these instances were extremely odd, they had never really been directly linked together. Mm. And so the foundation, the SCP Foundation, did uh, do several disparate investigations into the region. And this they amassed a wide range of theories. But even though they investigated a lot, these were all kind of just separate investigations that were conducted on themselves into probably individual disappearances or maybe strange sightings. But these theories, yeah, these theories included anomalous groups of persons, uh, one or more hostile aerial entities inhabiting the stratosphere, phenomena associated with unidentified flying objects, Subterranean anomalies, time quirks, and unusual weather patterns. So aliens. Yes, aliens. Aliens. Or maybe even beings that are just able to bend or warp reality or time. Or maybe other anomalous organizations other than the foundation that were doing kind of nefarious things in the region. Some kind of extraterrestrial entity, presumably. Or yeah. at least it feels like. Yeah, or something from another dimension. You know, the SCP Foundation deals with a lot of that. This is all kind of oh, true stuff that they deal with pretty regularly. But these investigations were never too high of a priority. That was until about 1980. And what would you think would bring like these investigations or happenings to their attention more than one of their own agents wife and three children going missing from a beach oh, in broad daylight jeez yeah, yeah for that's... real so it, it got kind of personal and uh the agent's name is taverner and he or got Tavern. on the case i assume you know he's like we need to do something about this we need to find my wife and three children because this is just unacceptable as many other people on random beaches that i don't know can go missing and that's fine right (laughs) my own family no way how dare you yeah so an enhanced investigation was then mounted into the region they also soon began to see odd patterns of reports of ufos and lights in the sky that coincided with the disappearances in the immediate region and although they started this investigation relatively small just kind of focusing on taverner's family uh, 
they soon opened up this investigation to be an extremely large-scale investigation of other similar disappearances that had similar kind of factors and traits. And these took place all along the Victorian and Tasmanian coastlines. Wow. As well Jeez. as some of the surrounding smaller islands. And as the investigation progressed, they soon discovered their initial theories of all of that wild stuff that we talked before to be all incorrect. What? Yeah. So at this point, all that they know is that in this Bass Strait and like all the islands and surrounding coastlines, a ton of people are going missing over a large area. And people are uh -huh. only really reporting that they see UFOs or lights in the sky. So everybody's kind of scratching their head and maybe getting a little worried too. Yeah, I mean, I feel that. <laughs> and people do not like mystery, I feel, is the pretty universal truth of humanity. If yeah. you don't know anything about it or you don't know what's going on, not a good thing. People get really frustrated. So with a not knowing what's going on at first and then kind of starting to develop an idea of what is happening and then f to find out all of that information you thought you had was also still now incorrect it was like that must have been the most infuriating dissettling or upsetting thing ever to be yeah. like, all right cool now it's just like nothing we know is right and we're back to ground zero yeah especially for the scp foundation in which mm -hmm. they they really like getting to the bottom of like any kind of anomalous happenings because Seriously. it's generally to project protect like all of humankind because yeah. in the scp universe you never know when like a mysterious event can quickly spiral out of control and mm -hmm. quickly become like a universe ending kind of event can get yeah, probably not a great quickly. idea to have one of those just sitting around yeah. Universe-ending events. Yeah, so after the Foundation interviewed over 100 witnesses, next of kin, and police, they discovered that most cases had no witnesses at all. There were observed to be lights in the sky before and after the abductions, and the more concrete sightings also reported unidentified flying objects. These mm. looking like balloons. So, again, it just gets weirder at this point. Don't even know what's going on. Of course it's balloons. Yeah. I, I, at this point, you're like, man, it's like Pennywise? Is he swimming this great? You know, is he jacking people? I was just going to ask, is Pennywise a, an SCP? Is he on the list of things they're keeping an eye out for? Oh, man. Uh, I imagine there's like... A couple of demented clowns in the SCP universe that are just grabbing and doing terrible things. I could only imagine. I assume that they're. I mean, every clown, every universe has to have a scary clown of some sort. Any, any supernatural couple, thing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So there's got to be someone out there dressed as a clown that's causing havoc. Yeah. So in 1982, they finally had a breakthrough. They got a large amount of uh, calls from people that were calling to an emergency services center, mm -hmm. and they were all reporting signs of UFOs, and like they were seeing UFOs off the coast of Norman Bay, Victoria. And so the local foundation intercepted these calls, and then they notified 
a task force that they had organized to go and investigate. Cool. As they arrived at the scene, they discovered the first instance of our creature today, which is SCP-5007. That's a lot of SCPs. There is a lot of SCPs. And this yeah. is this this is still in the eighties, right? Yeah, so this is nineteen eighty-two. Jeez, that like yeah. that is so many SCPs to discover by the eighties. Like I assume they're going sequentially. I assume there are five thousand and seven before this guy, or five thousand and six other SCPs before this guy, I assume. Yeah, I believe so. But that the, is the SCP foundation crazy. goes back quite a ways. Man. Um, what are we up to nowadays? What's the what's the number that we have? Um, it's got to be in the, know? like tens of thousands. It's got to be. It's like got to be insane. Yeah, there's quite a few entries. It's it's a a pretty rapidly growing kind of like community, which sense. is pretty cool. Yeah. But so, what actually is SCP five thousand and seven? Like, what has been causing all of these disappearances? Where are the people going? What's happening to them? Like, what's going on? Where did they come from? Where did they go? You know, say all of those questions. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so SCP-5007 is a group of malicious, partially humanoid entities. And the actual appearance of 5007 varies quite a bit. As they are all a single being composed of groups of people that are like mashed together and the amount of people are between two and nine. And so all of these bodies are kind of mashed and fused together amidst large clusters of black tentacles, you know, so they're like this somewhat humanoid mass of like flesh and tentacles. And it's, it's all pretty disgusting. Well, imagine like going into this thinking, okay, like, We've probably got some like, you know, alien activity, UFO sighting thing. And like, that's what you've been going so hard on for a while. And then all of a sudden you're like, no, it's like a human jellyfish. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> it's, it's a human jellyfish. It's gross, man. It's like several squids or octopi got yeah. squished together with some people and all of their body parts are fused together and like shifted around and seemingly reattached at random. Like you could almost describe it as if multiple humans were pulled apart and pushed together with a bunch of tentacles and as if there were like some like clay plaything. That sounds really fun. Absolutely terrible. Yeah. yeah, this sounds like a wonderful existence. It so, actually kind of reminds me of uh Spy Kids. Like how so? Spy Kids movie. Well, I mean, did so? you remember? Oh, like the, the uh, thumb thumbs? Spy Kids movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, the, yeah. Um, oh yeah, when he's shifting the main the bad guy, model. he would like, yeah, he would make make these weird clay amalgamed models of people, and then he would like transform real people into those monstrosities. Yeah, it reminds me of that. Where it's just like it's a weird freak of nature amalgamation. That's just like a combination of people. What a what yeah, a callback. Totally. Yeah, that is dude. such a such an obscure reference, but I love it. Man. Everything in my life somehow gets related back to Spy Kids. I live <laughs> in Spy Kids world. <laughs> that the truth. But uh, these beings are actually quite large, and their tentacles can be between two to seventy meters long. 
That is a big difference. That is a huge difference. But I guess when you got like a crap ton of tentacles, you know, you got some small Especially ones. Especially if, if it goes between two ones. and nine humans. Like if it's yeah. two humans, it could be a little bit shorter maybe. But the more humans, the bigger. I don't know. Uh-huh. Maybe. Maybe maybe there's some correlation there. But, but what we're the, thinking is it's as big as they're bigger than a horse. I'm, I'm assuming quite a sounds, bit. Sounds close. It sounds close. Like you could almost think if you got several horses and mashed them together in a ball, <laughs> you might get something kind of analogous. This joke will never get old. It's never going to get old. Every single monster we bring it up and it gets <laughs> Every, better and better. Everybody hates it and I'm here for it. Oh man. The the stomachs of 5007 are also grossly bloated and distended to the point that they can be 15 to 20 meters in diameter. Oh my gosh. They're also Jeez. covered in clusters of simple eyes and bioluminescent organs. Yo, bioluminescent. Yes, please. Yeah, you down with that, man? All the, I love the crushing and the shifting. I, I mean, I don't less think you would of like that. them on these guys though. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm here for it regardless. I love bioluminescence. I wish there was like ten times the amount of bioluminescence in the world as there is today. I think it's cool. such a cool thing. That, so, that is a pretty cool aesthetic, but it's very fun. Not Let's continue and, yeah, and no, see okay. if you're still down with the, the I'm always transformation. Down. <laughs> I'm sold. You've got me. I don't care. <laughs> So instances of 5007 are also capable of passive flight. This is achieved what? through enormous quantities of gases produced of in course. their swollen stomachs. So gross. basically their stomachs are balloons. That's yeah. so gross. So the heads were what people are calling balloons, probably? Well, like... well it's like the, the stomach, because, you know, like they're probably like on their side or their stomach is like oh. distended outward and That's upward. So yeah, it's pretty That's... nice. Yeah, that's nice. That's really fun to think of. Uh, these gases can also propel them to extremely high speeds, often in an excess of 200, and 200 miles per hour. What? So wow. That can get really going. Those guys I, are moving. I don't yeah, like no these kidding. guys. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the remaining human segments of 5007 also retain some level of independence and cognizance. And they seem to be in a great deal of pain and discomfort. They can vocalize, but these vocalizations are often incoherent and rarely understandable, typically just being whimpers, gasps, and moans. Though it has been observed that they may implore individuals to approach them. I was going to say, sometimes during the podcast, I feel like I'm only good enough for uh, vocalizations of whimpers, (laughs) gasps, and moans. Man, sometimes that do be the vibe, man. That's just how you're feeling. But uh, they are also prone to ineffectual attempts at self-harm or destruction of their stomach organs. They can't really hurt themselves. But Do they not want to fly, maybe? Is that the, like, get out of me, gases? Maybe they don't want to live. Yeah, Yeah. or maybe their stomachs are just extremely painful, you know? Uh, It's the the world's worst stomachache. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Encounters of 5007 all follow a similar pattern. The victims are almost always alone or isolated. There seems to be no restriction on time of day or state of weather as they can fly through basically any type of weather with ease. Neat. 
Yeah. Though, interestingly enough, the victims that they abduct never require any visual aids such as glasses or contacts. Yo, I'm saved. You are the Bad one person out of us that's win. saved. <laughs> Rough. Oh, eat it, nerds. I always thought bad vision was a curse. <laughs> Turns out it's the only thing keeping me alive. It's the only thing that'll save you. The but... SCPs would have had me by now if it hadn't been for that. But SCP-5007 will float towards shore and stalk its victim once it has sighted somebody. And it will wait a few moments before lowering some of its long black tentacles or appendages to grab the individual. A single instance of 5007 is also not limited to just one victim. They have been recorded to abduct up to eight people at once, all within 15 seconds of each other. Wow. Yeah, so these things are pretty powerful, pretty fast, and they just drop out of nowhere, grab a bunch of people, and leave. And after the victims are abducted and successfully uh, held by... 5007 they will take off over the water at very high speeds these guys sound really fun like yeah. just just the most wholesome they're just trying to take you for a fun balloon ride yeah, <laughs> yeah like. I'm, I'm sure i'm sure they have the completely wholesome intentions you know uh -huh. they're just they're trying doing to... that all while they're really discomfortable discomfortable not, yeah. not discomfortable. uncomfortable, uncomfortable. <laughs> that's that's words very discomfortable yeah so right there as as they're in pain they're like you know what i'm gonna take this 15 seconds to go collect some people and just take them for exactly a oh man and so the next big question that the foundation had after seeing and even capturing one of these uh 5007 instances was where are they going where are they taking these people because it seems like though they did violently abduct people sometimes they didn't really like kill them immediately so they must be uh, taking them somewhere they're taking taking them back to their queen to feed the queen <laughs> maybe i've seen how to train your dragon i know <laughs> <laughs> so after the initial investigations the foundation concluded that there must be at least 16 separate instances of 5007 and on what? may May 19th, 1985, at about 3 a.m., a Foundation survey team got a report of a sighting of a large instance of 5007 headed towards a coastal town. Oof. Yes. So Hide your kids. Hide your wife. Everybody the, hide. The black tentacled balloon monster things. They're <laughs> terrible. Oh, the black tentacled balloon monster. Oof. It, it it's pretty bad. This is a whole new take on Eldritch Horror. It's just <laughs> so goofy sounding and yet so terrifying. So just absolutely revolting. Mm -hmm. So then we get a like a video log transcript of this team that actually went to investigate. So I'll just be par paraphrasing this pretty pretty summarily. So the actual instance of 5007 was floating over a fishing vessel that had about six people on it. And an interesting fact about this exact specimen is that it was about 23 meters in diameter and composed of seven individuals, two of which wow. were actually identified to be a couple that were reported missing on their honeymoon in 1963. 
Oh, man. Not a good honeymoon. No. <laughs> Not at all. That's the worst. So I would say maybe the worst thing that could happen on your honeymoon is that. Yeah, no kidding. But the, the boat that uh, 5007 is floating over is called, actually, License to Chill. Man, <laughs> you know, but this had six passengers aboard it. One of them was out smoking on the deck, and the other were inside the cabin eating breakfast. The team then observed the instance of 5007 partially descending, observing the crew, and it turns a majority of its humanoid parts to face the person on deck and says, I see you. You will help me see. Abductee mm. one or the individual on deck then yells and tries to sprint for the cabin, but is quickly caught by a tentacle. And mm. the others try to fight off the creature, but to no success at all. They were all captured, unfortunately. Jeez. And the kind of brutal part of this and that is really kind of the MO for the foundation is that they're all about the greater good so one of the team members asks if they can help these people and the captain says they can't because it could compromise their missions so they just let them all get abducted wow so after tracking the instance of 5007 back to a reef actually they see it drop all of the abductees onto the reef Though they didn't like just drop it out of like pretty high elevation, it like lowered down and dropped them at least somewhat gently so that they didn't die immediately. It has a heart, it does care. Yeah. So after kind of being actually harassed by some other anomalous uh, marine life on the island, the, the group of adductees then explores the island a bit more and finds a large pool in the middle of the reef and they jump in it to escape their attackers splish splash yep and one by one the abductees are then pulled under the water until they are all gone and after observing like the pool for a couple minutes and seeing that nobody's coming for the surface the team then heads home wow yeah so at this point we know where they're going at least we still don't know exactly what's happening with the people it's still kind of all mysterious yeah it's just drowning people for seemingly no reason i don't i don't yeah i'm confused yeah but the scp foundation then went to investigate this mysterious reef that seemed to be the home of scp 5007 this reef was also dubbed dubbed SCP-5007-A. Not a very inventive name, but, you know, it works, I guess. This reef is also composed of a unknown but dark and porous rock that grows very quickly to cover any surrounding structures, such as, like, a variety of shipwrecks or plane wrecks that are on the reef. But the violent waters keep it from expanding too much past the reef. Like, it's kind of fascinating is that this rock actually can like grow pretty pretty like so rapidly that in like 40 minutes it can cover a pretty substantial area huh 
The reef is also home to a variety of other anomalous marine life forms, such as a red algae that have adop adapted to eat the unique rock, marine worms capable of levitation, oh. large and <laughs> large marine spiders that live below the water in silky retreats. Do they get their own SCP number, or are they just kind of like too... Uh, I, I believe they do. Like, uh... I don't have them written down in my document, but if you go to the actual um, entry on the wiki, you can definitely find all of this information. And they're all pretty unique and terrifying and horrible in their own ways. I'm, I'm imagining. <laughs> this reef uh, also was confirmed to be the origin point for 5007, as they were able to see many instances of them resting by attaching the rocky outcroppings on the reef. The foundation also took uh, specialized interest in the central pool in the middle of the reef, and they dubbed it SCP-5007-B. And, and the, the creative names continue. <laughs> yeah. This pool is 33 meters across and has a presently unknown depth. But after trying to explore it with several unmanned vehicles, they have shown that it has a depth of at least 4,000 meters deep. Jeez. That's, uh, that's pretty deep because I think the ev elevation of Mount Everest is about 9,000 meters. So wow. you're kind of halfway there in the wow. other direction. They also took water samples of this pool, and it has shown to contain a large quantity of human DNA, huh. as well as a bacterium only found frozen in ancient permafrost, and a currently unknown biological compound that possess significant life-preserving qualities. Like, even if something, like, super grievously wounded and, like, torn up, was put in this pool it would still be able to survive like even if something was like basically had run out of air and basically suffocated under the water it would still continue to live so yes. just because i have to reference star wars it's like a back to tank <laughs> is that what back to tanks do i mean I don't nobody knows what a back to tank does it's a mystery no if it's you know filled with large quantities of human dna I, I don't think that's very sanitary from, uh, <laughs> from ancient permafrost stuff, but it is a liquid that you sit in and it heals you. So, <laughs> so by the Stolen most loose Star Wars, by the most loose definition, yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> oh, man. Absolutely stolen. What the heck, man? <laughs> and you say that my Brandon Sanderson references are stretches. <laughs> <laughs> But in order to better continue the research and containment of 5007, a new foundation site was made, and it was called 40-R. That would be site 40-R. Uh, what a wonderful name. <laughs> and for a time, there was a significant decrease in abductions. But in 2008, they then recorded 36 specimens returning, which is quite a bit, as I think previously they had only seen maybe like one or two or three leave like every now and then. But all of a oh, wow. sudden, you have 36 returning 
all at once. And all of these uh, instances had abductees except for two of them. Wow. The really strange part is that none of the other monitoring posts that they had stationed around recorded any missing persons or 5,007 sightings, and all the satellite data indicated the presence of these unaccounted for. Hmm. This event was then followed by the largest uh, instance of 5007 being uh, seen. Most of the data kind of surrounding this is actually expunged, so we don't know the specifics of what happened. Other of than, course. Yeah. And other than there was a large sighting of 5007, there was also a large tentacle that came out of the pool in the middle of the reef. Why not? But after this event, there was a 26% increase in on-site psychological counseling. So it must have been a really fun time. (laughs) After this, everybody needed therapy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So after this, they kind of started to suspect that there was the existence of a large entity that was below the pool. And they had designated designated it SCP 5007-C. So yeah, there it goes. We're we're now complete with ABC, man. Yes. What a what a very creative. I mean, I will say it may not be the most creative naming scheme that I've ever seen in my life, but it is pretty straightforward. It's pretty easy to keep track of what things are and and how they're related to each other and it makes the story easy to comprehend. So, and, and like typing like reports and stuff would be way easier than being like, all right, well, Jerry Lewis Clark. Right. Um, I don't know why that name came <laughs> We called head. the terrible entity under the pool Jerry. Don't you remember yeah. that? It's Jerry. He's so friendly. So friendly. You know, just he pokes a black tentacle out and gives us all trauma every now and then. It's wonderful. You know, as you do. That's Jerry you. gonna be Jerry. You can't stop him. <laughs> Oh, that's Jerry. (laughs) But so in order to satisfy their curiosity and to really get to the bottom of the situation uh, and to gain a better understanding of the pool, they proposed that they would have to do uh, an expedition down into it to get to the bottom and see what was down there. And great idea. They had 37 attempted expeditions and all of these resulted in failure due to hull collapse caused by intense pressure. Wow. Jeez. And uh, all of these were manned expeditions, I believe. So people died, unfortunately. Dang. And like, what the pressure down there has got to be insane for the... I mean, again, what, what year is this in now? We've, we've advanced to... Um. So this is probably like 2000 and... 10 2008 okay. so like advanced enough that like undersea vehicles are reliable enough that they should be able to handle like super deep sea ocean pressures yeah and uh, then now this thing they're not surviving down in this puddle yeah th- this puddle is posing a problem that's that's crazy 
But luckily, with the help of some private companies and some additional kind of research into deep sea submersibles, they were able to make a new one. Hey. It was called the SCPS Nautilus, and it was capable of diving to a depth of 13,500 meters. Wow. So they're brand spanking fancy new one. If it can't do it, nothing can. <laughs> This vehicle was also outfitted with several cameras and microphones on the exterior, but due to the extreme depth of the water they would be diving in, remote viewing was impossible. They would have Dang. to physically recollect like the data drives that had all of this, these recordings. Whoa. That also, doesn't sound easy to do in this era. Puddle. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you just got to drive it back up after you drive it down, right? <laughs> Hopefully it it comes back trip. Yeah. Exactly. Um as they had lost a significant amount of personnel to like other manned expeditions, they then decided to train a D class to operate this submersible. And oh. for those that are a little new to the SCP kind of universe, a D class is basically a convicted criminal that is you and they're used to like conduct very dangerous experiments and to go into like very dangerous areas mm. as they don't want to lose their valuable scientific staff. You ever seen They're... the movie series The Expendables? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. basically. Or Suicide Squad? It's basically that. Oh man, you got it. But uh, so then we have kind of a recording or the recording of this D-class as he descends into the pit. And so I'll, I'll be paraphrasing this as well. Paraphrasing? Yeah, I'll be uh, paraphrasing it as well. Oh, nice. <laughs> so as the D-class descends into the pit, he remarks on the many black tendrils and yellow markings lining the walls. Off to a wonderful start. This is going well already. Seriously. Um, as he descends deeper, you can see many life, aquatic life forms, such as the sea spiders, sharks, fish, and of course, several instances of SCP-5007. These are all just kind of staring him down as he descends. So Which as... It would be horrifying as you're just like going down, you're like, at any point, I could die. Yeah, and and they're all just glaring at him like, yo, you're in the wrong neighborhood, buddy. Where are you going? <laughs> you came to the wrong neighborhood, bud. Who yeah. do you think you are? And as he passes uh, 4,000 meters, he can see a bunch of the failed submersibles that are all visibly imploded and tangled in the black tendrils. Oh. Really good morale boost. Yeah, boosting his morale quite a bit, I imagine. <laughs> Uh, as this submersible passes 6,000 meters, the D-class remarks how even being in prison would be better than this, as everything Dang. he's seeing and experiencing all just feels so wrong. Woof. And at this point, he also begins to enter a large mass of human remains that are all crushed, drained of blood, and possessing intact eyes. Ugh. But despite all of this, they seem to still be alive and attempting to move 
and even trying to talk with him. <laughs> yeah, I'm nope out, I'm yeah, noping no. out of that place immediately. <laughs> yeah. And so he understandably starts to panic and hyperventilate. Come he on, said, man. Man up. I don't understand what you're worried about. Yeah. He says that they're all telling him to go back, and he refuses to go any further. Yep. As I think most people would. They would just break down and just your mind is melting at this point, I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, you're already a convicted felon. You're a D-class guy in this organization. Like, what do they have against you? What are they going to do to you? What do you have they to already are Exactly. Like, there's nothing they could do that would be worse than this. Like, you just, just turn around and say no. Like, they can't yeah. force you. It's not I'm, worth it, dude. I mean, I do think that they, like, might offer them freedom. That kind of doesn't sound like the foundation, but I think I might have heard that somewhere. I could be wrong. That does sound vaguely familiar. I agree that like after like a certain amount of successful missions, if they survive, then they are given some amount of freedom or like allowed to like move up the ladder or something. Yeah. That does sound familiar, but at the same time, like still not worth it. Yeah. But if we're real, if you're like a D class at the SCP foundation, you're not long for this world. Exactly. You're You're not making it to mission 10. Yeah. You're oftentimes fated for a death or a existence worse than death. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty terrible. But after 19 minutes of calming breathing exercises, <laughs> he then says he will continue onward. Wow, what a <laughs> really, hero. Really summon the courage, <laughs> man. Dang. Dude, this guy is seriously a hero. <laughs> yeah. But at around 9,000 meters down, a large black tentacle covered in many glowing yellow eyes emerges from below the submersible, grabs onto it, and begins to quickly drag the submersible even deeper. So, I mean... I th- not? We were going down. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think at this point, you can say you swam too deep. <laughs> yeah. Captain, we're going down. Really? It's sinking? No, 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 no. It's just dragging me down. Yeah. The, the ship I- is intact. It's fine, but I will be gone forever. Yeah, you know, I, I'm really feeling like drugged down by this situation. Like, <laughs> this is a really negative vibe around here. I'm, it's bringing me down. Like all these black tentacles, man, it's not about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. But at this point in the recording, there is a significant amount of data corruption. And so we're only able to get really get kind of fragments and segments past this huh. point. That kind of makes sense. Yeah, but... Uh, several other tentacles appear around the sub, all of them featuring openings on their ends that possess cluster of, clusters of eyes or grafted human heads. Wow. Uh, the D-Quest then vomits and loses consciousness, as I think, again, a lot of people would. <laughs> this, this is a bad time. Can't hold his nightmare fuel. Can't hold his nightmare fuel. How weak. <laughs> guy needs to buck up and just get like go for it yeah how else are you gonna get free but after the the feed then turns back on we see that the submersible has come to a rest at the edge of a drop-off the drop-off yeah and that there is no like cave walls that can be seen around it so he's obviously kind of in a underwater cave that's of massive size Uh, 
we then get a recording of a mass of thin tentacles that emerge from the top from, or from within the drop-off and are holding two people. These tentacles proceed to then press the individuals together, causing them to fuse together by unknown means. And both of these individuals show significant signs of distress. They are absolutely not about this. And I can imagine not at all, actually, how this would be. This would be yeah, the worst. Um, you telling me that they're not just jumping for joy about getting melded together? No. The tentacles then proceed to further alter both, both victims before Thrin thin green tentacles enter the frame from above and force themselves into the victim's abdomens, which then mm. begin to swell. So then this is kind of, I guess, how we see that they're made, which is just as terrible as you could probably already have imagined. Uh, slightly worse, honestly. <laughs> At this point, we see an enormous eye ringed with tentacles, large claws, and human remains entering the frame. Is estimated to be at least 650 meters in diameter. Mm. This is absolutely massive if, if that's just the eye. You know, you can yeah. only imagine how big the rest of the creature is. Seriously. Uh, only screaming can be heard from the remainder of this recording. Makes sense. Uh, we then get the submersible rapidly ascending with the D-class exclaiming, it saw me, it saw me, it saw everything. It wants to know everything. Why can I see so much? I don't want it to see me anymore. Please make it stop looking at me. So he's just kind of lost it. And after the submersible has re been recovered, it's observed to be covered in a thick biological coating similar to black slime mold. But this mold also has like many eyes growing from it. And as the submersible has suffered significant crush damage, it had to be cut open. And after cutting it open, the D-Class jumped out and began to attack Foundation personnel. Dang. The D-Class now showed signs of anomalous physical alteration, namely the growth of numerous eyes over their upper body and arms. Huh. And as he was like attacking people, he was quickly terminated by on-site on security staff. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> but analyzing the onboard systems, it showed that the Nautilus had been taken to a maximum depth of 17,934 meters. Oof. Yeah, so... And it's kind of interesting is that this was the submersible, presumably, where it came to rest at the edge of a drop-off, so it probably went even deeper. Yeah. Which is just crazy. And the remains of the Nautilus and the D-Class were then incinerated. Did they? I wonder if they dissected the uh, D-Class guy before burning him. I imagine they did. Or if like they just were concerned kind of an about autopsy. Him. Yeah. Or I wonder yeah. if they were like just too concerned about him spreading anything, or if like they, infecting just, anyone else. Yeah, they just like immediately just nope, gone. Get rid of him. Yeah, I, I mean that doesn't. Seem like the foundation. I think if they had something to dissect, they probably would. I think you're pretty yeah, right about that. They'll just send another D class in there and like, yeah, you you get dead dissected. <laughs> yeah, they're like, hey man, this is how you do it. You just take the scalpel and you go whoop whoop whoop. And there man, you go. now I know how to do it. Thanks, Bryce. <laughs> oh man, you just go whoop whoop whoop. That's I it. Know, it's ready to. It's just doctors. that easy. 
So after this expedition, a six meter thick seal made of reinforced concrete and steel was fitted over the pool and they said, heck no to any of that. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> you know what? I think maybe we just don't go back down there. Let's, <laughs> let's just seal it up and pretend like it never happened. Yep. We, we came, we saw, we didn't even come close to conquering, but we're yeah. done. <laughs> but uh, after they fitted the seal on, it only proved to make matters so much worse. How? how? So in 2018, a emo was sent out uh, to every device on site 40R. This is the site that was constructed near the uh, the hole on the reef. Uh-huh. And this was from actually the account of a doctor that had died exploring the pool. Uh-huh. The email had the subject of, I want to see and only had the image of a large yellow eye with the text simply, I found you. That is some hey. next-level horror. The yeah. guy, he's just trying to get his point across. He's just pranking everybody. <laughs> yeah, he's just wants everyone to know that he wants to see, and he's just trying to be clear and concise about it. There's no time He's just being waste. up front. Yeah, you're wasting so much effort and time of everyone's lives by just going trying to be really pretty with your wording and and doing a whole like 300 word email no 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 no. just cut to the chase tell me what's going on so let me get back to my day like i appreciate his his upfront yeah he's an old business kind of guy you know yeah he, he doesn't mess around for sure but after viewing this email a small percentage of the staff received that received it proceeded to undergo anomalous physical changes similar to those seen in the D class. Ah, dang it. Uh, surgery was able to save most of these affected individuals. Saved. A site-wide network scrub had to be initiated. And at this same time, they had also lost contact with the site. Oh. So they sent in a uh, MTF team which is just short for mobile task force uh, yeah. gamma six deep feeders and they did this so that they could reestablish contact with the site but due to adverse weather conditions it was not seemed safe to go to the site until the following month that's a must have been some really bad weather that was like jurassic yeah. park level weather <laughs> i mean i think that the the bath strait actually is infamous for being a very rough portion of the seas like most sailors really don't like sailing through it and it's pretty bad i mean like it or not like there's aliens afoot we gotta go yeah yeah we gotta we gotta get boots on the ground in there there's, there's, save there, there's, there's some rain we gotta we gotta postpone for a month it's a little bit of a drizzle, maybe a breeze. I'm not doing that. It's like uh, uh, in the uh, King Kong movie where they talk about they've been searching for this place, for this island for 20 years, and they're not going to call it on account of rain. Turns out the SCP <laughs> division, they are. They're like, ah, I mean, we've been trying to figure this out. Oh, they're probably decades, safe. But they're, they're fine. It's fine. No big deal. Well, in a couple of days when the weather clears up, I don't want to get my shoes wet. Like, that's... Yeah. Those, these are new shoes. Come on. <laughs> They're like, well, this isn't a cosmic threat, so I mean, yeah, we're, yeah. we're good for at least a month. It doesn't yeah. affect me. I'm fine. So it, it, we'll deal with it later. <laughs> but what followed 
uh, was one of the worst losses that this particular MTF team had ever experienced, and is all around just a pretty terrible event. So upon arriving at the site, they saw that it had sustained massive structural damage. Like, this place is absolutely wrecked. I mean, see, maybe it would have been better if they had shown up three weeks before. Probably would have been, <laughs> but they saw three large objects appearing to have caused a majority of the damage. And these objects were revealed to be broken sections of the containment seal. Oh, that's Yikes. scary. <laughs> That doesn't Somebody, bode well. Something got a little frustrated, maybe. <laughs> Much of the site was also covered in the same thick biological material possessing cluster, clusters of eyes. And these eyes Shoot. followed the team as they moved throughout the facility. Oh my goodness, dude. That would be awful. <laughs> so unnerving. As the MTF team explored much of this uh, site, they saw that a lot of it was was pretty hard to do traverse due to like collapsed stairways or even flooded floors or so the inside was on the ground yeah <laughs> the inside was just as bad as the outside and but they did actually find most of the site staff but oh. they all now featured growths of eyes growing across their eyes and internal organs some of these okay. eyes were actually massive in that they took up like their entire face oh or like God. their entire chest so not a victory no, like bad things are happening. But this, at this, this point, this kind of reminds me of uh, Bloodborne a little bit. Yeah, it, it's everybody's really... getting eyes everywhere. Eyes on the inside, man. Uh... But most of the staff are pretty unresponsible or unresponsive, <laughs> and also just... irresponsible. Yeah, and just fall, and they just kind of stare at the MTF team as they explore. But they did uh, kind of pass by the main containment facility that was uh, at the site. And most of it was undamaged, save for a large hole in the floor through which an extremely large tentacle had entered. This Ooh. tentacle was coiled around the walls of the chamber before allowing its end to hang freely in the air from the ceiling. Its entire surface was covered in spiraling rows of large eyes before terminating in a large fleshy mass resembling elements of human, uh, reptilian, and fish anatomy, as well as some wow. other ones. So it's just kind of like a ball of flesh, which is mm. awful. Really cute. Uh, <laughs> just the cutest, man. Uh -huh. The remaining staff members could be seen having arranged themselves into a spiral formation around the end of this tentacle, and were proceeding to enter an opening at the tip in single <laughs> file. Jeez. So, like, this site is lost, man. Like, I'd say yeah, just seriously. burn it down and start over. Literally just, it's a lost cause. Nuke it from space and just, just get on with your day. Yeah, forget about it, man. Pretend like this place never existed. This actually... I, as we were talking about it and you were talking about how they built a containment lid over top of this thing and mm -hmm. kind of left it to just stew, it kind of reminded me of Chernobyl. And so I almost said earlier, uh, before you said how bad it was, I was like, oh, this kind of sounds like Chernobyl. Like they just like <laughs> built the lid over it and they're like, all right, we're good. <laughs> and then you talked about how they exploded and just went downhill so fast. I was like, oh, yeah. thank goodness this is not like Chernobyl. Could you imagine... One day you turn on the news and you're like, today, 
in bad news, Chernobyl has exploded and there's <laughs> eyes everywhere. And uh, we are pretty sure aliens exist now because of this. It's like, that would be the worst, worst thing ever. Man. Oh, it'd be so bad. Our containment uh, attempts in Chernobyl have failed. Turns out for decades we've been fighting against an alien uh, species that we didn't, nobody knew about, only the people at Chernobyl knew about, and they have broken free. So, everybody, good brace luck. yourselves. Yeah, yeah, good luck. Have a nice They're day. coming. <laughs> Man, what, the only awesome. thing that's worse than a like, ravenous radiation leak is ravenous radiation leak with eyes. <laughs> <laughs> the radiation has eyes. It's not the yeah. hills anymore. Now it's the radiation. Um, but as I said before, the affected staff were initially unresponsive to the team. But after one of the team members attempted to communicate with one of them. I thought you were going to say poke them. Yeah. Poke he, them in he, the eyes. I imagine he was like, hey, man, you okay? And the staff member then attacked. Okay. And this was also followed by all of the other staff members. So they're <laughs> suddenly kind of in the middle of the horde at this minute. It is now a zombie apocalypse. Awesome. Yeah. So the team opens fire, but the altered staff fail to die unless the destruction of the fail anomalous growth is achieved. <laughs> Pretty fun That's way to phrase that, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, how are you doing? Uh, pretty good. I mean... I've been better. I failed to die today, so that's a new low. I thought yeah. I was already a failure, but turns out there's something else I, I can fail at. Can't even die right. Couldn't even die right. So man, awesome. I've been, I've been looking at your your midterm reports, Jeremy, and man, you just you failed to die. You're just disappointing I don't know how everywhere. You did it, but you did. You you continue to impress us with your disappointment. So. <laughs> But after this firefight is done and all of the team had sustained some amount of injuries, um, Understandable. And they were trying to examine like the dead bodies. It flourished black tentacle, then begins to violently attack the team and is able to crush many of them into the walls or the floor. <laughs> so this situation just went from terrible to terrible. -er. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I'm not even going to lie. At every single point of the story, I'm like, man, I honestly couldn't tell you how it's going to get worse. And you just Glad keep surprising me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, luckily, some of them were able to escape the tentacle or <laughs> escape saved. the visibility. Oh, um, also saved. But as they got outside, between 60 and 30 tentacles believed to be from SCP 507 C, that being the being at the bottom of the pool, emerged from the seafloor. The tentacles were unresponsive in any way to gunfire and per only were there to kill more of the team by dragging them under the water or, again, crushing them. Would you say that the tentacles failed to die? <laughs> they did. They failed to die. You might say that. <laughs> um, so only two of the members of the team oh successfully escaped and were extracted. Um, Those guys did not fail to die. Well, yeah. I mean, technically they did fail to die because they succeeded in living. They succeeded in living. Um, but although they were extracted successfully, they started to have clusters of yellow eyes emerge from their skin. And hmm. ex luckily, extensive surgery was able to save their lives. Saved. When people said there's a light at the end of the tunnel, 
this is a very small light, but it's there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had to like remove like 80% of your body, but <laughs> hey, you're alive. You like but... have to go to the doctor and you're like, hey doc, I, I think I might have a problem. Uh, I got a bunch of eyes growing on my arm. Yeah. Like, could you, you lift up you your shirt and you're like, up? does this look I... bad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> does, this look, does this look wrong? Because I, seeing out of it doesn't feel great. Like, I don't <laughs> love that. But um much like the foundation they never really give up on anything really so they then repair the site and were able to kind of salvage the surveillance uh feed from the cameras and see what actually went down here so on the day that it happened a swarm of instances of scp 5007 then close in on the site and after a series of loud bangings is heard coming from the seal and cracks are observed on its surface, the seal finally gives way to far, five large black tentacles emerging from the breach. And they mm. toss the damaged sections of the seal at the site. And this is all while instances of 5007 work together to remove the protective netting covering the site. Wow. The tentacles also continue to wreak havoc on the Foundation personnel trying to combat the tentacles by tossing their gunships and crushing any resistance and even like wrapping an enormous black tentacle around the entire site and just crushing it. Hmm. Jeez. Resistance is futile. Yeah. The tentacles then proceed inside the facility and all security personnel on site open fire but one of the tentacles featuring spiral, spiraling rows of eyes opens up a mouth to reveal a large yellow eye. All security personnel then display extreme physical pain, many dropping their weapons and starting to grow multiple large eyes on themselves. Um, that cannot feel good. Like, no. There's yeah. no way growing extra eyes feels comfortable. Yeah, I can only imagine the horrible, like maybe skin tearing or uh-huh. rearranging of eternal organs that must take place when that's happening. Seriously. And this is all kind of not even counting in maybe any type of like mental pain that they're experiencing from like a mm-hmm. psychic influence or something. Yeah, that's probably true as well. Uh, we also get a feed of the site's director's office and a tentacle can be seen to split open revealing a severely mutilated Dr. Steenstrup. This is the doctor that actually sent out the email with the picture of the large eye and also that was presumed dead upon exploring the pit. But, oh, well, good news. He's alive. He's, yeah, he made it. He's alive. And he's, I guess, come back to see his boss, maybe for a raise. Hooray, yeah. <laughs> like... Do you see what happened to me? I deserve the biggest raise in the freaking history of this company. I think I need some workers' comp. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately, the severely mutilated doctor had been integrated into the tentacle. And after the director fired several shots at him with her sidearm to no effect, the doctor can be seen raising his arms and tentacles, causing significant disrup- disruption to the camera's feed, and the director's skin can be seen beginning to pulsate and bulge. 
and the doctor emits a loud wail. At that point, all the cameras on the site fail. But I bet exceeds at dying. <laughs> exceeds at dying, yeah. <laughs> so is that a no on the raise? Uh, I, I, I'll take the gunshots as a no. <laughs> Maybe I'll come I'm back later when you're in a better Is now a bad time? Should I ask later? <laughs> Maybe after you get integrated, maybe then we can hash something out. <laughs> oh, man. I do Trust accept. Uh, I do accept eyeballs as a form of currency. <laughs> oh no! Trust me. After the first like twelve dozen eyes, it re- you really don't. <laughs> yeah, you really don't even notice. <laughs> it gets better, I promise. But uh, yeah, how it was. I'd say. Let's not piss it off. Yeah. But now you're just kind of like relying on its good graces to not annihilate everybody. Hey, hey, the email said it all. He just wants to see. That's a good point. Maybe he just wants to, maybe he's just a big stargazer and they blocked off his only view (laughs) to the stars. And he's like, guys, what the heck is wrong with you? Gosh, dang it. What's your problem? I just want to look at the stars, all right? This isn't fair. So there's actually like a, in the containment protocols, the pool is not to be covered under any circumstances. They really don't want a replay of this event. Mm -hmm. The site is also outfitted with an array of auto cannons. Yeah. Honestly. And good call. The kind of containment efforts on the foundation's part have really opted to try and not annoy the big horrible eldritch entity at the bottom of the pool and have now I mean, just really focused on evacuations and dispatching teams to minimize abductions honestly they can be taught protocol <laughs> as so, far as we know it seems like maybe robots can't get extra eyes so maybe that's a good idea just only have it guarded by robots they can't grow eyes oh man but it, it was kind of interesting actually is that uh, the initial uh, site the one that was pretty much destroyed uh-huh. did uh have some like automated defense turrets and stuff yeah and they well no but okay. after the reactor was disconnected and shut off they powered down so they were pretty much useless yeah that's fair good point all yeah. you gotta do is disconnect them from the main power and then there goes that yeah just hit the off switch. Well, this is pretty much uh, a lot of what I found really interesting about SCP-5007. There's still some more that you can read on the actual uh, SCP wiki page. If you're interested, there's some other cool tales about some early sailors that discovered the island or uh, also a the flight recording of a person who was flying a plane near this island and came into contact with an instance of 5007 those are pretty interesting as well we just unfortunately didn't have time to discuss all of that this has been incredibly interesting and very way more horrifying than i thought it was going to be yeah i i love like scps like this just because they're so horrifying and i'm like man this is the type of horror that i really like you know, yeah, right. In which it just makes you wonder, like, what horrible, terrible, tentacled, massive creatures live in weird caves on undiscovered reefs? And I just kind of, kind of hope 
it doesn't exist, but at um, the same time, maybe I mean, it'd be kind of cool. No. And this yeah, is Yeah, I'm going to hope and pray that uh, the answer to that question is zero and Yeah. Cuz yeah, this is just one more reason why I'm terrified of the ocean because like <laughs> that that could exist. Why not? I mean, like other things exist, so we could just all die if we go near it. So I'm good. <laughs> I mean, that being said, like this is I, I do think it's really neat the SCP idea and like the the whole story behind this because it's presented in a very factual way of this is like this is what yeah. happened like it's yeah. just like a a uh, document kind of just reporting on it but and so like that does kind of help to lend credence like make it sound more real because it's like very clinical but at the same time it is at the end of the day just somebody's imagination like this is just like basically someone's story they wrote because they thought it was cool and this is like a modern day version of uh uh what's his name i can, I can never lovecraft? remember his name. yes yes hp lovecraft yeah which yeah. is like he's just going off and making this story and creating these creatures that like which they is sound like they kind of could be real yeah no which is absolutely fascinating every time that mm -hmm. i think i'm creative i'm just gonna oh. look at back to the creators of these scps and just like Man, I could never. And oh, whoever really? whoever writes these stories is absolutely inspired. Yeah, yeah. like super big props to them. And in the SCP like community is just like full of these super fascinating stories, you know. And the great part about it is that not all of the SCPs are terrible, horrible entities that are looking to like horribly disfigure you and cause you a ton right? of pain. Sometimes they're just like rats that want to help you find lost things. <laughs> you know so friendly you know I, there's like good ones and there's bad ones it's just like such a huge variety and i the good I, ones i love it and the podcast about oh we could do we could do a podcast <laughs> about some of the good ones you know yeah. we did one about the the peanut butter jelly thing oh yeah and that one's pretty nice. good right right the peanut butter and jelly monster yeah but uh thank you all for listening I really love doing this one. It was kind of a little bit different. A lot of information, a lot of kind of uh, reading reports and like summaries and that type of stuff. So let us know if you kind of like us covering SCPs and maybe we could cover right. some more. Bop, this bop, was just flop. like Just bop or flop us. Yeah. <laughs> if this was pure torture and like nails on a chalkboard, having to listen to reports all day, then uh, let us know as well. I mean, if it was that painful, uh, maybe we'll rethink it. <laughs> yeah this is all you do every day you're already listening to reports every day and you're like the last thing i want to do is listen to more <laughs> reports yeah. i can get i can understand that i get that but you can uh, reach out to us on our twitter which is at vanquishers pod or also on our tiktok brad is there and he's willing to answer your questions as well so reach out to us there if you have any scps maybe you'd like us to cover yeah. Or just what you thought of the show. Also, uh, if you could recommend this to a friend, you know, maybe somebody who really likes uh, eldritch horror or like a different type of horror that you don't typically see on like the big screen, you know, maybe recommend someone who really likes balloons. Yeah, somebody that just <laughs> loves balloons. And then you can surprise them with this monstrosity. <laughs> yeah, just uh, direct them here and say nothing else. Just that. no warning just, like, yeah this one's all about balloons it's this balloon creature really Man, neat, very unique <laughs> so many balloons it's crazy 
But with that, I think we will see you in our next episode. Have a great week.